When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Husker fans, welcome to episode 187 of the Husker Football Fan Podcast. I'm Mike Harvat. And I'm Justin Swanson. Today we talk to Scott Springer, reporter at Cincinnati Inquirer, about the Cincinnati Bearcats. You can find us on the web at huskerpod.com or by searching Husker Football Fan Podcast on Facebook. You can also connect with us on Twitter by following at huskerpod or email us at huskerpod at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Central Nebraska Buffalo. Check out their website for their latest deals. That's cnbuffalo.com. Also brought to you by Monty Rohde with Pinnacle Realty in Lincoln. Looking to buy or sell a home in Lincoln or know someone who does? Hit up Monty at 402-770-3356. What's round on the ends and high in the middle? I don't know. Ohio. We're going to Ohio this week. Oh, wow. That, that was clever. Did you just make that up? No, I actually first heard that in a John Rubin song. <laughs> huh. I'm sure he didn't come up with it, but yeah. We're going to go a little little bit out of order here. Skip uh, South Dakota State. We'll come back to him. Um, but uh, yeah, talking about Cincinnati. If you were really looking forward to the South Dakota State episode, we apologize. We know that there is a strong contingency of nebraska slash south dakota fans that listen to our podcast we've been paying attention to the analytics so Mm. please stay subscribed it it would mean the world to us (laughs) i probably again man i shouldn't trash talk like we are not in a place to trash talk anymore i need to wait until nebraska is winning games against teams that we assume we're going to beat to, to talk like that yeah i don't want another uh northern illinois episode well, the Cincinnati game is a legit scary game. Oh, yeah, like, no, yeah, no, I know. I'm not a, saying that about Cincinnati at all. <laughs> no, I know you're saying about South Dakota, but I'm saying, yeah, this is this is a tough matchup. And, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of respect about uh, for Cincinnati coming into this conversation and left it with even more. So, uh, oh, boy. You know, Luke, Luke Fickle is sticking around. He's not being fickle with his employment. And... Uh, you know, they expect to be successful this year, so look out. And I'll be tickled if we win. <laughs> I understand that you're rhyming, and that's fine. I don't, you know, I will be happy if we win. It, I hope to win. I, I I, think we're currently favored according to FPI or whatever. Oh, really? Okay, that's great. Yeah, 64 to 36% today. All right. Man, that's better than I expected. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything, but... I mean, it means something. Especially now. Good grief. Seems we all find ourselves in a pickle. Okay, let's get to this interview before this devolves any further. We are excited to welcome Scott Springer to the show. Scott is a reporter with the Cincinnati Inquirer. Scott, welcome to the show. Uh, hoping for better times this fall. <laughs> it's been a yeah. it's 
been a tough, I don't know, generation, half generation. The 90s are a distant memory. Um, Scott, can we start off just, can you tell us a little bit about your time covering uh, Cincinnati Bearcats? Yeah, I, uh, well, I followed the program, did go to school there, and uh, you know, back in the 80s, they were pretty much everyone's homecoming team. You know, to, to generate money, they had to get on the schedule and go play Florida, go play Auburn, go play, uh, you know, Virginia Tech, uh, Miami Hurricanes, whoever it was, and were rarely competitive in those games, but they made some money for the university. Then as time went on into the 90s, they, they struggled. They got a little better. They got into some leagues, um, got into the uh, Big East. One of the configurations of the Big East had some success there. Um, picked it up. Uh, Mark Antonio, who just left Michigan State, was here for three seasons, and uh, he kind of got him on the spotlight one night when they knocked off uh, – Rutgers when Rutgers had Ray Rice and, and that crew and that was a big ESPN game and so that kind of catapulted them there um, they had been to some bowl games but you know nothing major um, then they kind of you know got to the forefront when Brian Kelly the current Notre Dame coach came into town and uh, he had three consecutive 10 plus one seasons including one season 12 and 0 and uh so with under brian kelly it was an orange bowl and a sugar bowl and if wow. you would have told me when when i was in the 80s that cincinnati would make an orange bowl or a sugar bowl i would have said you're you're smoking something but <laughs> uh it, it it did happen and then from there uh, you know kelly left you were on to butch jones uh butch jones leaves for tennessee so now you see a pattern it's kind of like every three years a, a person comes in does well and then leaves. And Tommy Tuberville came in. He was a little different. Had a previous resume and a lot of success. Had initial success here. And then his record kind of petered out. And then he, he left. And then now it's Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle's now in year number four. So other than Tuberville, he's the most recent one to, to hit four seasons. But his story's a little different. He's on the upswing. And should he win 10 or more this season, he would be the last since Brian Kelly to have three consecutive 10-win season. So they've had back-to-back 11-win years. Um, they filled their stadium, which compared to Nebraska, not a great big deal because the stadium here is 40,000 people. But, you know, again, you're in an NFL town and uh, Major yeah. League Baseball, a lot of things going on, uh, assuming there's no viruses. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's on the upswing, and, and uh, the recruiting's been pretty good, so they're looking forward to, to playing. Number one, they're looking forward to just getting into practice, I think. Well, sure. And we were talking briefly before before recording here that you you've been covering the team uh, on and off for for quite a long while. Yeah, I uh, I did radio for them for uh, fourteen years. It was mainly a you know a sideline guy. Um, they, they they started to hire cute girls to do the sideline thing, so that took me away. But uh, I did pre and post game and, and a number of things for fourteen seasons, and then I covered them. Uh, you know I. I Initially, I worked in radio for about 25 years. From there, I've been in, uh, I don't know what I want to call it, the print business, because not everyone reads the paper anymore, but mm. obviously online. So, uh, Cincinnati Inquirer, Cincinnati.com. So, I'm 10 years into that and uh, have covered them in a variety of ways uh, there, you know, football and basketball. Well, it'll be exciting to renew this uh, historic rivalry. The last time Nebraska and Cincinnati played was when Cincinnati came to Lincoln in 1906. Nebraska won 41-0, to so that's uh, actually ancient history. 
Um, yeah, I think the Bearcats are looking to get on the board this time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think they will. So I, I took a glance here at the 2019 schedule, and there's a whole string of wins. The only loss, second game of the season to eventual, you know, could have played for the national championship. Ohio State. They lost 42 to zero, and then it looks like back to back bowl or back to back losses to Memphis in the the regular. I'm imagining it's the regular season finale, and then the conference championship game. Yeah. Um, yeah, both it was an odd situation. Both games were in the Liberty Bowl in Memphis, and so one ended the regular season. Uh, I think had Cincinnati won, they would have hosted the conference championship. But since they lost, they had to come back to Memphis the following week. Um, yeah, two different quarterbacks started. Desmond Ritter, who's been the normal starter, did not play in the regular season finale, and they started the backup, uh, Ben Bryant. It was his first start. Didn't play bad. He beat Roosevelt pretty well. I think it was 34-24 off the top of my head. I'm not looking at the computer yep, right now. But, you're right. Um, yeah, and then the following week, Ritter was back, and that was Nip and Tuck as well. But, you know, Memphis had a very good team and a good coach, but, you know, it happens. Uh, you get a good coach in the AAC sometimes, and, and the coach takes off. So there's still talent in Memphis, and, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's a better league than people think. There's a lot of teams that, that you don't want to – you know, watch what you you can need to watch what you're doing when you're playing them. So, uh, so you you've got a really good team, an 11 and three team. Won won the division, obviously. Won their bowl game. Um, what do you expect? And you've got your your coach coming back. He didn't he didn't jump ship. So what what do you? Well, I guess before we get to the, this coming season, what are kind of some strengths of the weaknesses of this team coming out of last season with this new one on the horizon? Well, the strength obviously is continuity because uh, most of the coaches stayed and you had two new ones come in, but one of them, um, Dan Enos, was here before under Mark D'Antonio, and he's since he was a head coach at Central Michigan, offensive coordinator at Arkansas, I think he was Alabama, I think he was with the Miami Hurricanes, so he's been around, he's now back, Um, and then another guy that's just an, an assistant, but dude named uh, Armand Benz who was a receiver and is an offensive assistant but he, he caught one of the more famous passes in Cincinnati history when they beat uh, Pitt and that would have been the year that they went 12-0 and that put them in um, well what was the Sugar Bowl um, sadly in between time Ryan Kelly went off to Notre Dame uh, Irvin Meyer and Tim Tebow were all mad that they, they had lost their chance at a national title and they they whipped up on Cincinnati in the Sugar Bowl that, mm. that year. But okay. Tebow could play a little bit. He was a good one. Yeah. So so continuity, man, that's something that Nebraska has really struggled for um, and is finally achieving. Now we just need to get some, some wins behind it. So you've got maybe the best group of five team here in Cincinnati with continuity. Are you bringing back your quarterback, like running backs? What's the offense looking like? Yeah, uh, Desmond Ritter is a redshirt junior so and if you look at what he's done as a starter he came in as a redshirt freshman at UCLA the, the guy that was starting fumbled <laughs> they saw enough they, they gave him a shot and they knocked off UCLA out west now you know you look at UCLA they're not quite what they were but when you're Cincinnati and you beat UCLA in LA you'll, you'll take that win every day of the week so sure. uh, Desmond Ritter's been like 22 and 5 in two seasons Wow. And the, the kid that backed him up was the kid in Memphis last year, Ben Bryant. And then you also have a, an Ohio Mr. Football coming in, uh, hopefully trying to get snaps. But 
he'll probably have to wait his turn. Now, the running back is a, a little bit of a question because it was uh, Michael Warren the second who's been around three seasons, had a couple years, 12 and 1,300 yards uh, plus, but he went to the NFL. So he's a free agent signee of the Eagles now. But the, uh, the, the guy that would be number one on the depth chart there is named uh, Jared Dokes, who's a senior. And two seasons ago, in Warren's first year, Dokes was actually the number one. So he got he was injured in, in the second year, but th- this past season, Dokes was back and running more like he was you know, a few seasons back. And he, he's a power runner. So he, he's a threat. And then they have an interesting um, transfer, Jerome Ford, who comes from Alabama. And Alabama, you know, they, they try not to pick any bad players. So mm. you have to assume he has some talent. Um, then a couple guys in, in the background, that, you know, there's a couple change of pace guys, Charles McClellan, uh, Ryan Montgomery. Um, but I, if you're looking at it right now, if you're starting the season, you'd have to say it would be Jared Dokes. What what kind of offense does this team run? Well, you, you, they rely a lot, with, particularly with Ritter, you're, you're looking at a dual threat guy. And there's been games where, uh, I, actually, I went back, I was looking at a few uh, games before you called, and... Uh, Sometimes he wouldn't run as much in the first half, and then you'd watch in the second half, and things would open up, and he'd use his legs. So we, he's a decent passer, but if you give him a, a little bit of a hole, he's got deceiving speed because he's six four, six five, long legs, and, and he gets to where he needs to go, and, and he's a pretty instinctive runner. Matter of fact, in the bowl game, he was the MVP. He played in uh, Birmingham, and off the top of my head, I think he had 119 rushing, and I forget the passing, but... Um, had a, had a really good game running and throwing, so he can do both things. Now, Ben Bryan is more of a passer. It's not that he can't run, but he's not as effective running as Ritter, but he, he may be a tad more effective throwing than Ritter. But based on the way the offense has ran in recent years, I, I, I think they like the dual threat option, the guy that can uh, do a little both and, and you know create his own play when, when that needs to happen. So you'd have to think it's going to be Desmond Ritter again. Does Ritter have good options to throw the ball to? Uh, yeah, he did lose quite a few. If you look at the guys that, that are not around this season uh, to graduation, but Alec Pierce is the, the most experienced one. Uh, he's somewhat of a deep threat. Um, Trey Tucker is, is a speedy guy. Uh, Jay Sean uh, Jackson, uh, kind of a slot guy. Those are like dudes that are like 5'10", 5, 5'11". Uh, Pierce is a 6'3 target that can jump some. A couple interesting transfers, Michael Young from Notre Dame, who uh, Mike Denbrock, the current offensive coordinator, was at Notre Dame, and so knew Young from there. And so he's coming in, and everyone likes you know what they've seen of him or know of him. And then uh, just this past week, a dude named Jordan Jones out of Arkansas transferred there. And when Dan Enos was at Arkansas, he had experience with Jones. So... You know, those are two grad transfers that obviously have some, some game tape, and um, I think it makes it interesting. Now, you do lose a couple guys that, that, that were around last year, and particularly tied in, they had uh, Josiah DeGara, who was the third-round pick of the Packers. Um, he was kind of a go-to guy. The guy that, that came in after him was more of a, a run blocker. They do have an interesting body type uh, guy named Leonard Taylor, about a 6'5", 250-ish player definite NFL body so he would be one that they'd be looking to you know maybe do something this season and then the line that you know fair amount of guys coming back and I, I would say well you know so many 300 pound linemen but you know what everybody has that anymore even in high school 
I sure. mean, that, that's what's crazy. And, you know, Nebraska's always had, you know, big old dudes there, road graders. So that's nothing new. But uh, the the main one that sticks out out of that group was James Hudson, the left tackle. And he was a Michigan transfer, became eligible for the bowl game uh, in early January. What was a high school teammate of uh, Michael Warren, who's gone. But uh, I, I noticed quite a bit of difference with him on the line just even in the one game that I had the, the, the previous, you know, regular season game. Sure. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. How would uh, how would you describe this defense? Uh, defense, they're really interesting. They, uh, Marcus Freeman is the defensive coordinator, real aggressive guy, played at Ohio State. Uh, they kind of went to a 3-3-5 here. They, uh, they just like to cause all sorts of chaos and, they got good pass rushers, Elijah Ponder, uh, MyJ Sanders. Um, they lost a couple good linebackers, Brian Wright. Uh, I think he's an NFL free agent. I forget where he went. But um, another guy was uh, Terry Young and went to the CFL. So they, in the middle now, they have some linebackers that they're, they're just tough, not necessarily big specimens, but just tough, hard-nosed dudes that'll hit you in the mouth. And then the, the most exciting part, I think, is the, the defensive backfield. Um, James Wiggins missed all last year, torn ACL. He was probably their best NFL prospect. He had four INTs in 2018 and, and had a, a, a knack for making big plays at big times, you know, saving games, won a game against SMU in overtime and made another pick in uh, against Ohio University, I think. <laughs> Uh, Marshall, I'm going back in my brainwaves here. <laughs> Team in green, but uh, um, he is back, and he's just just an athletic freak. I mean, maybe six foot tall at that, and probably about 230 pounds. But you know, they've done things like had him out on the basketball court, and if they have a slam dunk contest, he wins. Oh wow! That's you know, six foot two thirty going up and making acrobatic slams. So he's got all the talent in the world and great instinct. And then another guy that made plays like him this past season was uh, Ahmed Gardner who uh, had a huge play against Central Florida in a nationally televised game that helped him win and then uh, had another one in another game and you know again kind of the guy that that makes the play when you need the play plus they had a first team you know all league safety and he's back a couple other experienced guys back so the most experience is in the defensive backfield that's the most athletic part of the team I'd say. You mentioned uh, the def- defensive coordinator. I know that at Ohio State, Fickle was the defensive coordinator. Is, uh, does, is it like Nebraska where we have an offensive coordinator but Frost calls the plays? Is Luke pretty involved with the defensive, co- uh, the defensive play calling? Uh, I think he definitely has his hand in it, but uh, Marcus Freeman has been uh, – uh, he's had some job offers. I mean, in, in the offseason, the Tennessee Titans reached out to him. Um, he, he has stayed with Fickle. I think had had Luke Fickle left for Michigan State, Marcus Freeman might have been your guy because uh, he he's the guy that they've just done an outstanding job recruiting. And there's a lot of coaches involved in the recruiting. I don't want to say it's all Marcus, but Marcus has certainly uh, circled the area around here, which was always an issue. Cincinnati and, and Ohio, you always had a tremendous amount of football talent, but a lot of it would escape. You know, Columbus is a couple hours away, or if you're intrigued by the SEC, Kentucky's a couple hours away. You, you're 30 minutes from Indiana. It's kind of a weird area, but there's a, a ton of talent that, that, that escapes. Hmm. And um, in a strange way, the coronavirus 
may have helped Cincinnati because kids couldn't go on visits. Cincinnati was able to do a good job with their virtual recruiting and Zoom meetings and, and kids, you know, stuck with what they knew. And then it kind of became, well, let's let's all stay in town. Uh, you know, hometown hero, so to speak, or something like that. So they've got a real nice recruiting class coming in. It's ranked, I, I, it was as high as 18. I just saw today it's at 22, but you're, you're still talking a class that's ranked higher than, you know, Auburn, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Michigan State. I, you know, they're rated ahead of you guys, which now again, this is, you recruit what you need. Um, so that's not saying that Cincinnati's recruits are better than Nebraska's, but based on, you know, the the amount of stars they has, sure. the kids have, yep. things like that, that's how those ratings work. So it's just, when you're looking at a list, it, it wouldn't strike you that Cincinnati would be there. You wouldn't think they would. Yeah. This uh, sounds like it's going to be a tough game for the Huskers. Um, I'm kind of nervous about it. Uh, as as you think about this team coming to to Lincoln, what in the game, game four, the last game of the non conference season, what do you think the mentality is? I mean, are they expecting an upset, or maybe it's not even an upset in their mind? Uh, I'm sure he's going to have it in their mind that it's not an upset. But any true parent will tell you if they go to Lincoln and get a win, then they're all going to be giddy. You know, Nebraska is still Nebraska. You know, sure. it's still the Big Ten. It's still a road win. You know, they struggled last year in the American Athletic Conference on the road in a couple of games. So, obviously, it means something. I think the kids are mature enough, and, and Tickle's been around enough to tell them, "Hey, you know, this is big time." Um, but you're just as big. But you know, on the other hand, if you look at last year's schedule, yeah, I mean, Ohio State smacked them. But that's early in the year. It wasn't even near the same team that. that that was playing later in the year, but still, you know, truth be told, Ohio, Ohio State smacked him around. Um, I'm sure he doesn't want that to happen again. He, he's familiar with the Big Ten, so I, I know he wants to go and represent. And uh, so I, I couldn't even begin to give you any prediction or anything, but I, I would think they would play a representative game. I mean, and the only possible chip on the shoulders, obviously, you know, Frost beat him when he was at UCF. So, hmm. um, who knows? Who knows? Um, well, along those lines of who knows, what what do you think this team can hope to accomplish next year? Is another? Is it likely that they win double digits and fickle leaves? Like, is that kind of a best case scenario? Well, I mean, I think he's going to have the opportunity to leave as long as he does well, because that's just the nature of the beast. The, the one thing that he has going for him is the good recruiting classes, and then. Cincinnati is kind of, I don't want to say it's a peculiar area, but uh, Luke Fickle and his wife are highly devout Catholics. The one thing that kept him from going from West Virginia, in my opinion, was there was no Catholic school. Uh, the closest one was 45 minutes from Morgantown. Huh. So that was the, the first flirtation. Uh, Michigan State seemed like a real threat to me because uh, Fickle and Mark Antonio are, are pretty similar in, in their standards and what they look for and what they're after. It's the Big Ten. Um, but Luke Fickle has six kids. One of them is now a Cincinnati recruit, an offensive lineman that will come in 2021. Now, sure, he can up and move wherever Dad goes, but um, they seem to like the local community, and the cost of living in Cincinnati is going to be 
uh, less than the cost of living in a lot of places. So there's that. Now, I, you know, I can't tell you the difference in 2.5 million and 3.5 million. I, I'd sure like to find out, but um, <laughs> he, he seems awfully happy, you know, with with, with what he's done. And, and uh, there's something to be said you know, for that. Like, yeah, families, um, family means something to him. He's got a kid coming in, so. I'm not saying he's never going to leave, but uh, he, he's passed up a couple opportunities that in the past the coaches would have been gone, and he, he just stayed. So there's that, and then the, the, the talent around here is, is still that. And I, I've always said about the guys that left, it's like, you know what, it, it's kind of better to be on Mount Rushmore here than, than going to the big city. And, you know, for instance, Butch Jones left, and you, you go to Tennessee, win six, seven games, that's not good. That's that's not good enough. Yeah. Um. And uh, it, it's not necessarily easier. The, the other side of the street sometimes looks better, but not always easier. So we'll have to see what happens. But I I think everyone's confident that he that he's gonna stay. But you know, never say never, and and really <laughs> never feel sorry for a coach because they get some good jack. You know, you <laughs> you have a good season, you you can not work for, for the rest of your life really sure do you think this is a 10 or 11 win team potentially well not knowing a, a ton about the rest of the league uh, other than what they did the previous year I mean looking at the schedule I can see I would think they win a minimum of eight um, and we'd have to see how things go from there you know there seems that that they beat last year that, that may have gotten better recruiting wise. Uh, you know, Central Florida is always going to be tough, and, and, and South Florida for that matter, because Florida is just ripe with recruits. You know, there's so many kids, yeah, and virtually every school go, goes to Florida to get kids. So I, I, I don't want to put, uh, I, I think they just certainly have the potential to win 10 again. I, I, I would probably be a little disappointed if they won less than eight. Uh, but there again, you know, you have an eight-win season here and you go to a bowl game, you know, no one's calling for your head. Sure. Um, if you go to a bigger school, bigger conference, and you're expected to have a major bowl game every year, then then the pressure's on there. So we'll see. But he, he's got a lot of talent. they got, you know, dudes that they have to fill in and hopefully they produce. But I think the continuity and, and coaching helps a lot and that, that keeps bringing talent in and uh, – you know, to show you the difference in recruiting classes, last year their class was ranked 40th. Uh, so that's, you're, you're thinking, well, big deal, 40th. That was actually, in the in terms of rankings, their best re- recruit class ever. And so now they're at, you know, 18, 20, 21, 22 in that range. And so you can see the improvement. And, sure. and it, it seems to be catching the kids are staying. And so it's possible to win here. Um, again, you know, like like you guys know, the Big Ten still the Big Ten. You, you, the school in Columbus, there, uh, they can pretty much get who they want. If they come out after you, they're going to get their four and five stars. And schools like Cincinnati are going to have to find three star guys that overachieve. And that's that's how you win. Not easy, but that, that's the truth of it. I'm looking at the ESPN matchup predictor. Uh, obviously, really early. It currently has Nebraska a 64% chance. I mean. Who knows what that means? I know that this this is going to be a tough game for the Huskers, um, and we appreciate uh, everything you've had to say to fill us in. I I learned a lot on this call, so I 
I appreciate your time, Scott. How can our listeners follow uh, the material that you and your news outlet are putting out uh, about Cincinnati as we get ready for this game this fall? All right. Well, it's uh, Cincinnati.com, which is the website of the Cincinnati Inquirer. Uh, That's E-N-Q-U-I-R-E-R, but it's Cincinnati.com. And uh, my Twitter is S Springer Sports, and there's a little bit of everything mixed in there. There's been some college stuff. There's you know, local high school recruiting stuff and, and all that. So uh, that's where we're at. And I know, I know Cincinnati fans are looking forward to, to coming to see it, you know, because a lot of people have not been to Lincoln and, you know, haven't done the experience and all that. And uh, I, I know a fair amount of people were worried about how to get out there with the, the you know, coronavirus restrictions and all that. So I, uh, I, I know uh, tickets are tough to, to come by and, they're probably hoping to get a pocket somewhere in the corner in the, in the nosebleed section and cross their fingers and hope for the best. Well, all right. Well, look, I really hope that we can have a, a, a normal game on September 26th. We'll, we'll see what happens. I'd be happy to watch my neighbor play a cornhole right now. Because <laughs> of that. Okay. Going a little crazy. But, yeah, I, 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 I kind of think things are going in the direction of playing. So I, I hope there's a game. All right. Well, thanks, Scott. Thanks for your time and expertise. And, uh, take care. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks again to Mr. Springer for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, definitely appreciate it. Have Scott in the show. He mentioned uh, when we were just chatting on the phone uh, offline that he had kind of put together some of the material for the Lindy's magazine. So, I mean, he he knows his stuff. He's He's been around that team for a long time. So happy to happy to have him on the show. Yeah, it's good to get a perspective from somebody who who's knowledgeable about these teams that we don't see very often or in Cincinnati's case, it's, you know, hasn't happened in our lifetime. So, right. A couple of lifetimes back to back. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah. In other news, um, it is June 1st. We, we actually waited to record this episode on Monday to see if anything came out about the Huskers returning to practice. It looks like news is just starting to trickle out from that where (laughs) they trickle. There, there's another word. Um, but yeah, news is just starting to, to trickle out about, uh, you know, the NCAA is allowing these teams to start practicing again, and the Huskers are, they're all in Lincoln, getting ready to rock. I don't know if they're all in Lincoln. I think they can be in Lincoln. Do you know oh, that they're Oh, okay. I'm not sure. It's not clear to me if they're all in Lincoln, but they can be in Lincoln. My assumption is that anybody who plans to play this fall is there. We kind of talked yeah. about this last week with the quote-unquote voluntary yeah. practices. <laughs> I mean, so even if, but even if they're there, they can't do things larger than groups of ten. Um, but is yeah, it bad. now? I thought it was twenty-five in the state of Nebraska now. Okay, well, the last thing I read, which was <laughs> admittedly not yeah, everything's on a sliding today, scale, was that even if you had them. Um, teammates together they had there had to be 10 or less gotcha gotcha uh yeah they they obviously know what's going on we don't but um (laughs) you know we're getting closer to football which would be wonderful i mean everything is i hate to use the word uncertain because that's an advertising word right now but like everything really is uncertain when with with all of life so to have something like college football to look forward to um Maybe we need it more than we think. You know what else we might need more than we think is is buffalo meat. Oh, man. Uh, Have you gotten more creative? I know that you cook a lot of meals for yourself in general, 
But as a guy who's used to, as a hashtag single bachelor male uh, who's used to going to the drive-thru whenever I'm like, I'm hungry, how can I fix that? Like, it's <laughs> been an interesting time, like, eating most of my meals at home. instead of A time having... of growth, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Actually, it's been a, a time of shrinking. I've lost a little bit of weight because of it. <laughs> oh, good for you. Yeah. Anyway. My wife actually does most of the cooking, and she does a really good job. And uh, we have enjoyed a lot of different meals, and I'm sorry that... Well, I'm not sorry. It sounds like it's been a good experience for you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been fine. I was just going to say, like, I mean, hey, guys, if you're listening and you're you're trying to think of a way to kind of spice up the home cooking routine, this is one way to do it. Get yourself some bison meat and uh, be good for you. And uh, as we've pointed out a number of times, you can go to Just Good Meats in Omaha. You can go to Leon's Gourmet Grocers. There is Grand Central Foods in York now, which is a new one. And then this Saturday, uh, the Lincoln Farmer's Market in the Haymarket. Uh, I think Kendra will be there, and I'm not sure who else will be there, but Central Nebraska Buffalo will be setting up shop, so uh, avoid shipping and handling and you know, maybe make an opportunity to connect with her and uh, stay socially distant and safe and get yourself some, bus- uh, some bison. And we don't usually do this, but if you do go to the Farmer's Market and pick up some bison, let them know that we sent you. That would be kind of... Cool yeah, to hear that great. through the grapevine. <laughs> that would be great, yeah. On the home front, home sales, that is, uh, I was uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a realtor, mm-hmm. and he was talking about, last you know, last week on the show we talked about homes going quickly, especially under, like, I think we, I don't know if we said or not, but under $200,000, like, that that price point is, is going really fast. And he said he knew of a house for $100,000 in Lincoln, that hit the market on like a Friday, and by Monday it had, I think he said, twenty offers. Good grief! That's a good place to be in if you're selling. <laughs> well, yeah. So get people to fight over you. It's a seller's market, so. Um, so that said, maybe you should give Monty a call, and he can help people fight yeah, over your home. <laughs> exactly. Whether you're buying or selling, like you just need to be positioned for success, and you want to have someone in your corner who knows what they're doing and the ins and outs of the process, and that's uh, that's money. So Think of it like football. Do you think the Huskers go into Memorial Stadium on Saturday morning without a game plan, without a coach, without somebody drawing up the plays for them? No, sir. It doesn't happen. In the same way, I'm, I'm not going to say that Monty Rohde can be your Tom Osborne, but like in this metaphor, you know, he can he can help coach you. It puts you sure. in a position to win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So definitely give him a call or a text, 402-770-3356. Or if you're more comfortable, shoot him an email, monty.rode, that's R-O-H-D-E at prglincoln.com. So speaking of, uh, you know, having a game plan going into Lincoln, um, I, I know that you you were reading an article that at least is giving us some insight into what the game plan is for this fall, or at least heading into summer practices and whether or not yeah. the team can make up for any lost time. Well, I was just reading a piece uh, from Sipple here uh, in Lincoln at the Journal Star that just was put out recently, and one of the things he shared in a, from a conversation with Frost is Frost doesn't expect to get any of the unused spring practices back. Like, mm. you know, we had... We had the Monday and we had the Wednesday, and then that Thursday was the day everything shut down. And so he doesn't think 
He said for a while there it seemed really likely, like that was the goal, but he said nobody's talking about that, and he'd be surprised at this point. Okay. Well, you know, as long as it is, you know, equal across the board, you know, like as long as other teams aren't able to have additional prep time, I I guess that kind of makes it okay. (laughs) Yeah, but but it won't. It's not equal across the board because some teams had like eight practices, so... Um, Did know? they know? I I forgot about that. Yes, I mean nobody's. There's no consistent spring time, mm. spring practice time. It it kind of you do it when it fits with your schedule, your your academic schedule. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot of inequity out there around that, and uh, it's just gonna be a really weird year. I mean, I continue to hope for the best, hope for a regular season of 12 games. You know, I'm not sure how many people are in the stands, but I'm hoping for that regular. 12 game season um but it's more and more clear like it's just not going to be the same mm-hmm. and it's it's just inevitable like you know there's going to be at least one team where there's some sort of outbreak you just know it i mean you think about you think about teams in the past that have experienced other medical outbreaks like um i'm thinking like the 1996 big 12 championship game i think the flu like ravaged the team oh yeah and um there was another one uh I think there was one under Polini. I was going to say, I think there was one more recent. There, there It was something where they all got uh, some kind of a stomach bug or something yeah. like that. I remember during one game, like, one of the players, like, ralphing on the field, like, oh, before man. the start. So, anyway, I mean, it's just... This is a great conversation. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, for real, though, I mean, you, you hope that that isn't going to happen. But, I don't know, statistically, we can probably assume otherwise. So yeah, and uh, the other another thing that Sipple shares here is that um, we don't know where things are going with Spielman, which mm. to me, like the longer you go with a question mark on that, the more the answer is no. I heard something like last week that he was in Omaha doing some training, but oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah, that that's about it though. Maybe it was somebody else. I don't know. Frost says we continue to hope. The best for him, we're anxious to have resolution on everything. Hmm. Yeah, I'm anxious to have resolution on everything. <laughs> I want to know how it all goes. <laughs> how does it end? Stay tuned and we'll we'll fill you in as the season transpires, folks. Yeah. Well, you know, hey, last week I kind of gave a recommendation on a book I had read that I was really enjoying. Do you have any recommendations this week? In fact, I do. I'm glad you brought that up, Justin, because uh, just, well, at the time that this episode is published, just yesterday, as it were, um, I will have published the second episode of my new podcast. What? Mike has another podcast? Yes, folks, I have another podcast. I just launched a music-focused podcast called Indie Underdogs. And it's all about shining the spotlight on lesser-known artists and bands that deserve a wider audience. So, uh, Is it Omaha-specific? Uh, it is not Omaha-specific, but this month I am focusing on an Omaha artist, actually a good friend of mine, Danny Sabra. Um, Danny is a local songwriter. Um, he has kind of a more avant-garde type experimental improvisational music group called Colloquy, but he's also played... Uh, he's a multi-instrumentalist. He's played with groups like Sleeping at Last when they were here playing a show years ago. 
Um, I think he's done some session work for Tim Kasher of Cursive. Um, he even played with Kansas when they came through Omaha on their tour. So, like, he's all over the place. He's kind of a musical savant. So it's really cool hmm. to to kind of get a chance to pick his brain, and that's what I did. It's a, Each episode's about an hour long, and it's just kind of a deep dive into, um, you know, whoever I'm interviewing this month. We'll, we're just going to go into, like what what their musical background is what their journey has been so far their philosophy of songwriting and and just you know other fun stories from the road or in the studio things like that nice yeah sounds like uh the mike mike harvat network of podcasts has another new (laughs) option that sounds pretty great yeah i mean the reason i'm doing this is because uh actually when i was in college i tried to launch indie underdogs as a review website where i would review music uh but then i started having like music that sucks get sent to me and i didn't know what to do with it and i didn't want to write like well there's some things that i like about this like i didn't actually know how to be a music critic so i canned it and sat on it i've actually had indieunderdogs.com for years yeah, uh, just wondering what to do with it and i finally have launched it more as like a all right i'm just gonna use this as a springboard to tell my friends about music that i'm excited about because that's something that i always try to do anyway is let my friends know like hey check this out this band is amazing you probably haven't heard of them because i'm i don't listen to the radio i'm not a like pandora discover music that way kind of thing it's all kind of like grassroots through networking and and hearing recommendations from friends and trying to keep my finger on the pulse of uh good new music um i don't want to be one of those old farts who's like i only want to listen to the foo fighters i mean (laughs) that's true most of the time i only want to listen to the foo fighters but uh there's other good new music being made. So anyway, that's anyway. my pitch. Awesome. Cool. How many URLs are you sitting on right now? Uh, I used to be sitting on more. Right now, it's mainly MikeHarvat.com, IndieUnderdogs.com, um, obviously HuskerPod.com. I used to have IBringTheJohnDenver.com, um, <laughs> which was an obscure <laughs> reference to... Uh, Jars of Clay's Christmas music so I did that through oh yeah there's there's jarchives.com um, I am are you one of those guys that just buys up mass amounts of URLs and no. then tries to wait till they're valuable and then no. like flips them no 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 jarchives.com are you like a secretly a millionaire <laughs> no not at all uh, jarchives is the Jars of Clay fan website which I've kind of become the honorary head of even though i don't own jarchives.com i have access to everything and can edit it because huh. i've always been a i'm wearing a, a jars of clay t-shirt right now a so. man of many talents and interests yeah well hey it's uh lunchtime is over i probably need to go do my job also if you're really into nintendo you can follow my nintendo twitter at saint saturn 84 i post only about nintendo there what you're joking <laughs> you didn't know that I did not know. I about have a that Nintendo one. only Twitter account, and uh, I actually have um, I have so many muted words on my t- Nintendo account because, like, I mean, obviously there's political stuff. When I'm on my Nintendo account, I only want to talk about 
video games. But there's this weird overlap between Nintendo fans and professional wrestling fans. So, like, huh. if I want to follow anybody, you. I have to weed out so much wrestling stuff. It's kind of weird. Like, I'm, I'm not, I don't have any prejudice against wrestling. It's just not something that it's interests not your thing. me. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, like I said a moment ago, I'm <laughs> going to get back to work. Also, follow at SW Farm Boys, which is my Star Wars collecting <laughs> podcast. Well, that's, I knew about that one, yeah. All right. Go Big Red, Justin. Go Big Red, Mike. The Husker Football Fan Podcast is an unofficial, non-commercial podcast and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. The views expressed on this podcast belong solely to the individuals expressing them. The Husker Football Fan Podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with the Nebraska Cornhuskers or the University of Nebraska. Nebraska.